We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Before we get into this week's show, we have to tell you guys about a brand new podcast here on the Blue Wire Network. Abner Mares is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. He's starting up his own podcast. I know you guys love listening to us for boxing, but there can never be enough. Abner's beloved by Abuelas and hardcore fans alike. Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's newest podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is today. So on the hook with Abner Mars, you can hear him talk about topics like the current state of boxing, uh, being a husband and a girl dad, his journey from being a kid on the streets to a boxing champ. So listen to On the Hook with Abner Mars wherever you get your podcast. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. If you guys haven't listened to our combat sports, oh, in terms of fighting, that's boxing and MMA episode from earlier in the week, please go and do that. We do predictions for the entire weekend in there as well as the crazy weekend of fights this week. So don't miss out on that in boxing and MMA. Today, though, is all about pro wrestling. Hey, hey, hold on. I was dancing. You caught me off. Hey. Yeah, my bad. Um, nah, so today is all about pro wrestling and whatever music the old man feels like playing in the meantime as well. But we have tons of stuff to talk about. AEW, 
NXT, WWE has Hell in a Cell coming up, New Japan Pro Wrestling is wrapped up G1, crazy amounts of pro wrestling, hopefully you guys enjoy that during today's show, but we have to start off with, I guess it was pro wrestling of sorts, pro wrestling adjacent, the man is a Hall of Famer, Donald Trump versus Biden in the last debate. First off, this had a better ref than I saw on AEW or NXT all week. Yeah, the moderator did well. Um, got it. Got a hand re- it up. There was no mute button, but no need. Yeah. She wasn't having no shit. Yeah, she was like, "That's enough, Trump. Hey, you cut it out." And he just kept talking. <laughs> so she, she was. Uh, I mean, again, was, what are we? Two weeks out from the election. This didn't two do anything. Weeks. Change. Nobody's minds got changed after this. It's the same shit. Uh, yeah. I mean, if someone, I still find it hard to believe if people are on the fence. Like, if you're on the fence and leaning towards Trump, you're probably racist. Let's just keep it up. Yes. Dude, I mean, (laughs) come on, man. You're on the fence. My man said (laughs) about the kids being separated from their parents with 500 kids separated, can't find their parents. He said, good. Good. Come on, man. My man said, listen, your man said, I am the least racist person in this room. Only a racist would ever say something like that. <laughs> yes, because he did not denounce that he wasn't racist. He oh. went into it and he was like, usually you're not racist. He'd be like, I am not racist. He said, I'm the least racist, which means you still got some racist in there. You're just now accusing everyone else of being a bigger racist. But you're not saying that you are not a racist. My man, my it, man just, he called <laughs> Biden a racist, basically. Like, he called Biden and the moderator racist by saying that. I'm the least every, racist person. Come on, man. Everyone caught a stray right there. <laughs> That's, this was, I. it would have been better off, I think, if Biden would have took this stance in the first debate, but neither here nor there. The first debate set the scene for this one. Not having a second debate also set them up even better, I think, because this was like, okay, the coup de grace, everyone has to tune in. And... Biden, somebody got in his ear. I tweeted, I was like, yo, did he get Kanye's Ghost Rider? Because he was so much more prepared for this one. And he had the just flaming Trump when he could. And just little little shots. Trump had his shots too, though. But still, I mean, Biden finally had something to come back. The first one, I feel like Trump just kind of mopped him in the, in the bagging department. Trump was snapping on him. Biden had nothing in the first one. At least Biden now threw some jabs back. This was a... Uh... This was Trump's one of his worst performances. If you just go off of, like, forget facts, because facts had nothing to do with nothing here. <laughs> if you just go off of, like, banter and the back and forth, Trump just wasn't good. He, like, was still in, like, a COVID fog. Like, he was just, his, his points were whack. Um, Biden kept burying him. Then when Biden said, you run against other people, but now you're running against Joe Biden. I was like, yo, he pulled the thing thing out. He was firing, blah, 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 blah. And Trump just kind of just sat there like, Okay, Joe. Like, damn, Trump, where's the bite at? I don't know, man. Trump, he didn't, this was not a good performance from a, a man who, the only thing he really has is slander and arguments. Like, the lies are always going to be there. Facts just uh, elude him. It's not part of his demeanor. And he just wasn't on his game. He was whack. I, this yeah, was not a good performance. Nah, he only had, like, maybe two lines. His two lines were bangers. Like, and I'll give Trump that. He had two bangers in this one. If we're just objectively calling this, if like people are snapping out in the schoolyard, he had two bangers. The one was who built the cages, 
Which he yeah. kind of froze Joe on that. Like, okay. That was kind of whack, though, because it's like, like, look, man, who built the cages? Like, well, who put the kids in the cages, motherfucker? Like, it's a big difference between it's building cages. It's a chicken cages. and egg thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's not even a chicken and egg thing. Like, you could, you could build a jail cell, right? But if you're putting people in jail, that's on you. That's on you. Like, you're the one incarcerating people. Like, you're the one that's trapping these people, putting these kids in cages. So, I don't know. It was kind of, it was whack. Everything he said yeah. was whack. And I couldn't help myself. I like, when, when Trump said, talked about the people coming across the borders and said coyotes, as much as Trump lies, I immediately thought of Wiley Coyote. I was like, this motherfucker said coyotes. Even though coyotes <laughs> are people who get paid 10 to 15 grand to smuggle kids, or probably more, to smuggle people across the border. That, as many lies that Trump has said, I clearly was just like, yo, this man's talking about wild animals. Wiley Coyote. <laughs> Wiley. And we got a foghorn. A foghorn mentioned. Yo, Joe said, he used two words that had me on E. He said foghorn and he said malarkey. Malarkey. You know someone's tight when they use malarkey. You also know this. You also know that they need to like lower the age limit on becoming a president. Because I don't need people using words like malarkey and foghorn running this country. That's kind of old, man. Like, I don't, like, what's the point of having 70, 80-year-old people running this country? I'll never make sense out of it. They shouldn't even be question. driving, much less run, running a country. A lot of experience, I guess. I don't, I don't know. They're seeing that. Like, how old's your grandmother? My grandmother is 75. I learned this yesterday. I you learned this was, yesterday? <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking, like, she's 73 for a hot second. But I was corrected yesterday by my mother. She is 75. How much do you trust your mother with, like, in regards to the future and her opinion? Well, maybe she's more in tune than others. But would you, like, does she still have old school thinking about her? You've seen my grandmother at my wedding. My grandmother's batshit crazy. No. Okay. My gra- like, she curses every two seconds, and I love her. But I could barely watch boxing with her. Every time we watch boxing, she is wilding out. She can't run a country. No exactly. way. Exactly. <laughs> no way. Like I, when I, I watch her to death, she can't run the country. No, when I watch these debates, I sit there and think because, like, my grandmother-in-law, my my wife's grandmother is fucking nuts. And I listen to the things that she says about like, like she can't hardly use a cell phone, and you know, just, like she says like just wild off the wall shit about like climate change and very like sexist statements like against women, even though she's a woman. And I sit there and I was like, yo. If you ran the country, we'd be fucked. But then I think, like, Trump and Joe Biden, are going, one of these two men are going to run this country. We got to lower the age limit. I'm not saying the president should be 30, but I think somewhere the sweet spot between 45 and 55 is cool. Once you get past, like, 65, because mm, that means, like, think about it. Trump's what, 71, 72? Motherfucker yeah. was born in, the motherfucker was born before integration in school. Yeah, that's tough. Come on. And you expect this, like, come on. <laughs> like, I just, when it comes to, like, race matters, I, even though Joe Biden's a little bit more progressive, but he came from that era. And I'm sure somebody yeah. said the N-word in his house. Oh, uh, aren't, like, you, you, yeah, maybe it's 35 through 60. Maybe you got to, like, you know, in the NFL, say, you can only play for so long. Like, if you can't get this shit done in 25 years, if you can't become president in 25 years, that's cool. Right off into the sunset. Just like forty five, stop trying. Forty five seems like a good age. It feels like you've experienced enough where you're just far enough removed from being young, 
and you're not super old, so you're like right in between looking at your future yeah. and the past, and you can make decisions about this country. But when you're 75, 80, your mindset is like, well, shit, I'm about to die anyway. Push the button. So it's like, why should these people be running the country? And I watch this debate, and I hear malarkey and foghorn, and I look at Trump in his suits that don't fit and his hair that's plastered on and his orange skin, and I'm just like, yo. They got to change this, man. You cannot be this old running this country. There's head coaches in the NFL that are, like, in their 30s, right? In the NBA, we got coaches in their 30s, like, taking teams to championships. Like, you don't have to be 75 years old to coach a team. No. We got to change this. You should be 70. Yeah. I I like that. But a window. We got to talk about, also, the person who got probably the best rub of the night, and that's AOC. Plus three. They put AOC plus three. Not to be confused with Three Man Band or any other collectives that WWE have marched out there. AOC plus three. Most fire group of 2020. AOC gets mentioned by Trump. and You could already see she's under his skin. Really, no. of all Republicans. This was the boost she needed where in like 10 years when she's president. Like say Democrats go back to back terms or whatever. Who the hell knows. But. If she runs in eight years, this is what put her on the map. And this I mean, is why she's president. AOC is living rent-free in a Republican's head every single day. The problem with AOC is there's a lot of people like that really don't like her. There's a lot of us that do. There's a lot of people that really don't like AOC. Fuck it. Fuck but it. BX in the building. I think at this point, you know, you know, eight to ten years from now, like... She'll be in position. She'll be a little bit older. She like she's will have the experience. It's going to be hard to deny her the opportunity if she chooses to run. Depending on what her aspirations prove to be, you never know. Like there's always somebody that comes out of nowhere, and you're like, you're running for president, like Trump. But with her, yeah, she's living rent free in Donald Trump's head. I don't even know why he brought her up. Plus three, like. Like a band? Really? Of all the things you could bring up, but they clearly are frightened of her. Or, I don't even want to use the term frightened. They just don't like her. They really don't. That youthful energy, man. She's got that youthful energy. Like, yo, she did a live stream of Among Us to get people out to vote. Joe Biden ain't playing Among Us. Donald Trump is not playing video games with kids to get them out to vote. At she all. Is. <laughs> yeah. She caught a body in Street Fighter the other day, too. Yesterday? I didn't see yeah, right, did? right before. Oh, man. She had one, she had like an inch left of her bar. Left, like one minor kick takes her out of there, and she had uh, she had Ken, the other person had Chun Li, and she went on some crazy eight hit combo, finished with the uppercut, took them down from half all the way down, and wild out on her celebration. It was incredible. That's that's what I'm talking about. This person needs to be president. That's adversity. If you haven't played Street Fighter 2 and been down to your last hit. On match three, you don't know adversity. That's adversity. Like, who can... You can't have a president. Like, Barack Obama was the coolest president because he he felt young. And he listened to young music. And he connected with a young audience. And once you're old, it's like you're setting your ways. Like, Obama had that swag where people felt like they could relate to him. I look at these old dudes and I'm like, I can't relate to you at all. And then, you know, when you're older, I don't know if you're older want to vote for old people. You know what I'm saying? Like... We're both gonna die soon. Who's first? <laughs> yeah, that's as a key. Like, fuck it, I'll vote for this old person. We ain't gonna be here to see the end of it. Yeah, man, risk it there's, all. 
there's a different level of fuck it that comes with being an old person that I have seen in my life yeah. where you just lose all scruples did you okay that, it, yeah and you tell me all the time you tell all of us listening on the show about your grandma all the time yeah she didn't give a fuck <laughs> she, she, like man she could never run this country she no <laughs> I mean it'd be funny we wouldn't she be great with debt <laughs> or no, your, man. Your gambling stories of her probably aren't the best yeah like she would gamble the country away she'd be like yo we gotta sell uh, Texas I'd be like what I gambled it away <laughs> like my, that's what my grandmother did she gambled away houses like we, we, we had to move to crack alley because she couldn't she stayed in the casino for four days straight did not come home was it a casino or was it like a Dottie's no, casino. Like, my grand, it started off with, like, look, man, not going too deep into my family's past, but it started, like, when we first moved to Vegas when I was, like, 10, started off with, like, the dollar and $5 machines. Like, my grandma was crazy. And then, like, she blew the house. And then, like, so that was at Circus Circus where she, like, blew everything. And she, like, literally, she went to the casino. I remember it was, like, 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday. I ain't see your ass till fucking Monday. Monday. <laughs> Monday takes a lot so to then, take a deed out on the crib. <laughs> yeah, then after that, after like after she blew the house, we had to move to Crack Alley, et cetera, et cetera. Then she started gambling like fucking Albertsons, the quarter machines. And then I like I had like it was Albertsons, Albertsons for those who don't know is a grocery store. It was Albertsons that was down the street from the house. So me, I think I was twelve, thirteen at the time. I used to walk. And be like, yo, I'm hungry. You coming home? Like, I used to walk. And they, everybody knew me at Albertsons. They're like, yeah, your grandma's here. And she would, like, tell them, like, don't touch my fucking machine. She would put, like, signs and shit up. I'm like, grandma's fucking Albertsons. What's wrong with you? But it's different, man. <laughs> You're blowing people's mind that you can gamble inside of a grocery store. Yo. Because you said it like it's normal. And it's normal to me. But everyone who hasn't lived in Vegas are like, there's slot machines in a grocery store? In yes. In a grocery store. In the grocery store. Like if everybody you go for some milk and you just put five dollars in the machine. See, this is why I talk about we gotta make I gotta make this show about living in Vegas. Everybody, every kid from Vegas, and I know we have some Vegas listeners for the podcast, so I appreciate you guys listening. But if you lived in Vegas and you were under eighteen and you had a parent that liked to gamble, everybody has a story where you were at the grocery store and you had to stand behind behind that line while your parent gambled. Everybody has one because you couldn't go walk where the machines were. You just had to stand there and watch them. Like, what the fuck? I'm hungry. But grocery stores know that and they put the candy machines. Yeah. Like the joints where you put the quarter in and spin it are always right outside the line where you got to wait while the people gamble. Listen, so they knew. They got they those knew. little horse things that rock back and forth. They knew that I, you would have to wait there and just look at your grandparents. Look, I was 10 when my grandmother, like 9, 10, when my grandmother had her like gambling habit. At Cir- I don't even know how the fuck we got here. But here we are. We're talking about my grandmother at Circus Circus. <laughs> and my grandmother would go to Circus Circus and blow all kinds of money. But she'd take me with her because at that time when my grandfather, when my pops used to work like the graveyard shift, nobody could watch me. And I was just too young to stay at home. And then like a year later, she just said, fuck it. And I used to stay at home all the time eating Top Ramen. But I went to the casino with her. And she, and like, as a kid, this was unbelievable. She gave me a roll, a $20 roll of quarters. And it was just like, see ya. And I just remember being at Circus Circus for like nine hours, playing everything. <laughs> and they were like, yo, well, where's your I parents at? Gamble at Circus Circus. Circus, like the, the Midway? Popping. 
And I take my roll of quarters and I play like superstar. I play every goddamn video game. Twenty. Do you know how far a roll of quarters got you back in the day? Twenty dollars worth of quarters. Then Mortal Kombat came out, and that shit was like in Street Fighter. Oh my god! But then when I when I was broke, the problem was I couldn't find my grandmother. So then I I'd be that kid on the PA. They'd be like, you know, my grandmother's name was Josephine. Josephine Hale, your uh your grandson's looking for you, and she get mad and shit because it's like eleven o'clock at night, and like the whole casino is like looking for her because I'm broke and I'm hungry, and like the security's like, what's this kid still doing here? Like, get him out of here, and she. She get mad and then she have to take me home. She have to cash out and then she yell at me on the way home and be like, "I bet you somebody hit my machine because y'all ass got <laughs> hungry at eleven o'clock at night." And I'm like, "What is wrong with you? Like, I can't believe this. I had to take it." She so. was gonna play until she she caught the heater on the machine, dude. <laughs> you don't understand. Like somebody hit my machine. <laughs> she had like she had techniques. Like, she used to pull the, the, the slot machine handle. Then when they came out with the buttons, because she hurt her shoulder from pulling the slot machines. When I tell you my grandmother was, a, like, a gambling freak, that's what she was. So he, she had, like, techniques. Like, she'd rub the screen and push the buttons. A oh, my way. grandma does that, too. Me and, oh, me and so Elena laughed all, laugh all the time. But my grandma, like, has to hit. Like, you know, they got the bonus joints. Like, when you play the slots, like, they yes. get, like, little icons that are your bonus. So if a bonus comes up and it doesn't, like, align... And they're in like different spots. She has to touch every bonus ones, every bonus one, because she thinks that's going to make them line up the next time they show up. It's and like, it's like fucking watching Rain Man, or it's like those joints where Lomachenko he touches the the, the oh, little yeah. hand eye coordination board. That's my grandma had a slot machine. You're like, so what is she touching? Yo, it's, it's so, so banana. She gets tight. Because if she hits, Elena gets tight too. But if they hit, like say they put in $20. As soon as they hit for something bigger than what they put in, they hit for like $30. i am like, all right, we're out. And they're like, no, you're no fun. I'm like, no, I'm not going to let you lose your money. Let's go. We're going home. Yeah. They're like, oh, we only won. Like, I don't care. Like, you got your money back. We're out. You had fun. I'm the worst person to gamble with. The worst. Shit. That was my grandma. My grandma was like, oh, I feel the big one coming. I'm like, what What the fuck? Like, you just made a couple hundred dollars. I feel the big one coming. But I always knew when she won, it was popping because I get a Nintendo game. Like, if she come home, she's like, what game do you want? <laughs> oh, I was like, oh, she won. I'll be right over at Toys R Us. Boom. Let me get that um, Super Mario. <laughs> Let me get that Ninja Game. Whatever game it was. But when she didn't win, I didn't eat. It was just like, oh, great. yeah, it's like, no, dead ass. She was like, oh, we just ain't eating tonight. I'm like, what? What happened? I, I have nothing. So you better drink this half a can of Shasta and uh, eat, we split these noodles and call it a night. I'm like, God damn. So the ebbs and flows of my childhood were ridiculous. <laughs> that being said, those people that are that old should not be running this country. Yeah, to bring it full circle. <laughs> oh, man, I love your grandma. You just need to do a show about your grandma. Oh, like she, that's incredible. Like. If you wrote a pilot about a little old Italian grandma and 10-year-old black you, and those are the two main characters, gold. You'll be on Netflix next year. Easy. That'd be the funniest shit ever. It's ridiculous. (laughs) She got to be one of the main characters. Like, I watch... I've been binging Seinfeld again because I just love Seinfeld. But George, when he interacts with his mom every time, has me in fucking tears. (laughs) And that would be that dynamic. Like, just you and your grandma. It's like George and his mom. Yep. It's just gold. Gold right there. Uh, Before we hit the break, the other thing we have to talk about 
And I hate going into breaks with this, but we got to talk about it. One more Trump point. Your boy, Jason Whitlock, landed the interview with Trumpito. Come on, man. Full cooning. I got to use the word. He's full this, cooning. You, the, the, it's appropriate. Like I said, when I talked about Ice Cube, Ice Cube's not a coon or an Uncle Tom. He's just dumb. He just did some dumb shit. Like, there's a lot of people who aren't coons and Uncle Toms. Jason Whitlock is a coon. Jason Whitlock is a tap dancing Uncle Tom. Like, my wife gets mad at me because she was like, stop calling him Uncle Tom. It's such a... Because she doesn't really pay attention to Jason Whitlock like like we do. So she's just like, damn, those are strong words. And I'm like, he deserves it. And him landing an interview with Trump? Come on, man. It's the epitome of He's trolling us, right? He's trolling us. At this point, at this point, he knows it's a gimmick. Because a lot of people are like, yo, this is just who he is. This is who he was at the KC Star. He's not living a gimmick. He's not faking it. All that. And I'm like, okay. But no, this this is the wink, wink. This is the, I know it's a gimmick. I'm going, oh, you guys want to call me Uncle Tom? I'm going to interview Trump yeah, with my, hair, my fucking fade to hair piece. Who gets Captain a fade Coon. to hair piece? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> are you watching it? No. No. I'm not going to watch it? Hell no. If I could bootleg it on my fire stick, I'll watch it. No, I ain't giving him no views. No. I got to bootleg it. Can't do it. I'll, I will rip it from an online. <laughs> just I'll just take the link and just rip it. Put it on my desktop. There's, watch there, it in disgust. There's absolutely nothing that could be said in that interview where I'd be like, yeah, that's incredible. No. Nope. I got to see if he goes full Uncle Ruckus. He might. But I, I don't need. He has see no other it. choice. He's talking to Trump face to face. He yeah. has no other choice than yeah. to say like the nicest shit about white people. Uh, like, oh, uh, there's both. Oh, they're just gonna trash athletes. Oh, you know yes. the LeBron slander. Yeah, that's why I'm not gonna watch it because I know what I'm getting myself into. What, what am I watch this for? No, nope, I'm okay. <laughs> no, no, Jason Whitlock for you. Mm-mm. All right, I'll watch it for the both of us. I will report back <laughs> with, the, with the low points of this interview. Uh, but, yeah, nah, he's not getting my click to his whack-ass website. I don't even know the name of it, but whack-ass website. I ain't giving him no no, no boost in his pockets. Um, let's take a quick break. When we come back, time to dive into pro wrestling and not the Trump type of pro wrestling where somehow he ended up in the Hall of Fame. But we're going to talk New Japan good old wrestling new japan g1 we're going to talk about the tournament i finally caught up we're going to see what this means for wrestle kingdom what it means for the winners what it means for the losers what feuds we're getting out of it and then just to put a smile on your face dre we're going to switch right into the wwe main roster all right yeah we're gonna go from super hot to super cold so you guys stay tuned we'll be right back with that after the break All right, we'll get back to the show in one second. But first, even though sports had a break, your business did it. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools for you to make your search that much easier. 
Those tools include sponsor jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire, with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month. Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. All right, just that quick, we are back, and it's time to talk pro wrestling. New Japan just wrapped up their G1 Climax Tournament. I thought, I obviously, I was gone. I was in Mexico for a second. I had to catch up on a bunch of stuff. Usually, the stretch run of G1 is one of the most exciting stretch runs you can have. We talked about it on the show and all the different possibilities you can have, different matchups, the different feuds that come off of it. I feel like this one, it wasn't bad, but I feel like it may have been lackluster compared to other years and the final three nights of G1. Um, I agree. Well, look, Block A I thought was excellent. Uh, Block B was suspect. The matches stunk. I didn't stink. They just weren't that good. Everything that Ishii, like Ishii and Jay White was great to close out Block I, A. I knew you thought it was great. <laughs> yeah, of course, but everybody thought it was it was great. I mean, Ishii, come on, no, man. It was. If, it if was we're not going to universally love Ishii, we're losing our minds here. But um, <laughs> like Osprey turning heel, um, it's really tricky with Osprey, and we can get into that in a second because him turning heel with Bea Priestley and um, Great Okan is great in theory. Except all the suspect shit that has been following him with speaking out and all that stuff makes it really difficult to get behind Osprey. But in terms of talent, this is the right move. Um, but the B block, the Atami match, I mean, Atami, the Kenta match, <laughs> Naito was okay. And Naito getting eliminated, it was like a real letdown. Like everything about the B block just, it sucked. The evil match sucked. Like it just. Evil and Sonata wasn't good. I don't no, know what's going on, but... Mm. Sonata winning that... See, Kenta Naito wasn't that bad to me. It's just when it ended up being for nothing, it made no sense. Because you and then add no stakes. Once it wasn't well, last, I was like, yo, I'm, I'm out of here. Like, for what? Well, the, the way Kenta it was... Kenta can't win. But Naito, if Naito won, he could have won. Him losing eliminated him. True. But Sonata wins anyway. That was the stakes right there. So he not. No, because then, see. But that was my thing where we talked about the last show. I was like, there is a way that I think this gets a lot more intriguing. If Naito wins, and I think, um, because both Evil and Sonata had victories over him. If Evil and Sonata went to a draw, Naito would win the block. I thought that's how they were going to play it. Because now you got now everything is like a little bit more tense because Naito wins and one of those two guys, former LIJ members, has to win. And if one of them, if they don't win, Naito gets in. But then they had Naito just lose to Kenta, and I was just like, well, "What the hell?" And then I had to deal with this. Like Evil's matches have sucked this entire tournament. 
just sucked. And Sonata's been up and down. And we've always pegged Sonata to be a star, but this wasn't really like the star-making performance at G1 that we would expect out of somebody who's going to break through. So the B block was really weird. A block, on the other hand... He would have been better served going through A block if you wanted to build up Sonata because he would have had a lot better matches due to just level of competition. I think being in the B block and going through that, not that, you know, I mean, obviously Zack Sabre Jr. is in that block, um, Tanahashi, Naito, I, I get it, but even then his performances against them were up and down. I, I feel like the people who could sell for him where he can really have those just put your mark on it type matches were in the A block. Yeah, well, I mean, but then it comes to a point where you just say, are you good enough? Like, can you carry it? And Naito and Tanahashi was excellent, right? Like, night two. That was a great match. But it's just yeah. the way this the B block had played out just wasn't as intriguing as the A block. A block, you had Minoru Suzuki killed it the entire tournament. Fucking killed it. Incredible. But I didn't like Jeff- the last night with Suzuki. What was Let's, it? Who losing to Shingo? Shingo. Oh, shit, I didn't mind that at all. Come like on, Shingo. It's Shingo. Okay. All right. yeah. Get your shit together, man. It's Shingo. It's okay to lose to Shingo. Shingo's going to break through. Like, Shingo's going to have a big year. Like, Shingo doesn't... He didn't have... Suzuki like, was on fire. I, I thought he could have beat Shingo. I, I was nah, like, what? Come on. There's no, like, you're saying what? Like, Shingo's a scrub. Like, Shingo scrub. just had the match it's, of the year last year with Osprey. I'm okay. Listen, I'm not saying that he's a scrub. Shingo and Osprey was incredible. I'm saying it's not like Yasuyano, but you look at this on the last night. Like Suzuki's been crushing it the whole tournament. I thought he could win that one. It's not like Shingo's established in you know a heavyweight division. Suzuki's not going to win that. One. What feud does he take out of that? That's my biggest problem with the last two. I'd say three nights. What feuds came out of this? I mean, clearly you have Okada and Osprey. It's you that, like that. Okay, yep. So that's your obvious. new heel. Yeah, your new big heel. And it looks like we're gonna get Suzuki and, and like Suzuki and um and um Shingo are probably gonna do this again. At some point, it seems like they have to. Now, I feel like it was bad blood for a feud. I mean, they've had bad blood for like the last year. But like the whole like the whole A block was just really good. Like even. And Kota Ibushi, the fact that he had different matches every night. Because you go to the Jeff Cobb match. Jeff Cobb dominated Ibushi. All Ibushi hit that entire match was the knee. That's it. That's all he hit. And he won that match. But then you go to the Tai Chi match on the final night. Where that match was nothing but kicks. There was not a wrestling hold in that match. And it was great. Everything Ibushi did was great. A Block was great. Jay White nearly winning and losing to Ishii was great. Uh, Osprey turning, and now we got this feud with Okada. That's great. B Block? Hmm. Like, what was the best match out of B Block? I think Naito Tanahashi was probably the best match out of the entire B Block. Oh, the entire thing? Mm. Out of B Block. Not A yeah. Block. A Block had all the bangers. Yeah, because Yano started off hot and people loved it. And I thought it's that fun. shit was dumb. Um, Juice Robinson, I can't stand. Terrible. Goto. Even though he had a he had a great match too. Like I think him and was it Naito had a really good match. But other than that, Juice just like whatever. Uh Tanahashi Saber Jr. didn't really do much for me on the final night. That should have been better. Not that it was bad. It's just it's the final night. Like 
I don't know. Maybe Sonata versus Evil in the final night. It was thirty minutes for no reason. It it wasn't. It wasn't good. Like Sonata and Tanahashi had a really good match. Tanahashi had good matches in this tournament. The Texas Cloverleaf, a lot of that stuff. Naito and Zack Saber Jr. had a really good match. But like the the when you came down to Evil, I can't remember a single Evil match that I remotely enjoyed. None of them were good. <laughs> they just weren't. Hey, Evil as a singles guy just. Does nothing for him. They just, I mean, I mean, he, I'm fine with him being a singles guy, but him being like the leader of Bullet Club, and it seems like like a, a, a two things happen. I told you that Osprey was looked like he was going to turn heel at some point, and it seems like yeah. Jay White's going to go babyface because Gator was blaming him for losing to Ishii. It seems like Jay White's going babyface because Jay White's really fucking good. I can't believe I'm saying this. Two years ago, we were just like Jay White. Now. Jay White's really good. It's a really good match by him. Yes. Last night. Yep. But, in, you know, another person who shined? Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb was not. Jeff Cobb had good matches. Yeah. Nobody talked about Jeff Cobb a year ago at the, at the G1. People were just like, eh, he could have been better. Some of his matches were lazy. He looked a little overweight. But this G1 crushed it. He had great matches. No, I agree. And then the last night we had. Um, tag team match which is Takahashi and Evil versus Bushi and Naito alright I mean we had a tag match with Will Ospreay in it versus Chaos um, so Ospreay and Okada I give it to you there they're going to continue their run and it was about the main event Kota Bushi versus Sonata Kota Bushi doesn't have bad matches I'd say he had three better matches in this tournament than the main event I say he had right like man five. I say like I'd say Kota Bushi had five. I might I might be low low balling it with three, but yeah, but, I, dude. Uh, Kota Bushi versus Tai Chi. Kota Bushi versus Shingo. Kota Bushi versus Minoru Suzuki was his best match in the tournament. Um, Kota Bushi versus I mean Kota Bushi versus Asuka because they beat the shit out of each other the whole time. Yes, they beat the fuck out of each <laughs> yeah. other. That was incredible. And then Suzuki, the the visual of Suzuki smiling as he takes the pin is incredible. Like yeah, I'll give that to you. Like that that to me is the best match of the tournament. But all those matches were better than the final. This was I've been watching G one ever since I was able to get access to it routinely and watch it live. So it's been ten years since I've been watching G one every year. This was the worst G one climax final in the last ten years. Wow. And it, it wasn't it wasn't bad, but you think about it, the Omega matches, you think about the Naito matches, you think about the uh um, I think AJ Styles. I'm trying to remember all the all the the finals over the last ten. I'm gonna years. go back and look. That is tough. It's dude. It it is Okada Tanahashi. This is the worst. And even though the worst is still better than most matches that you'll see on any other company, but this was the worst final in the last ten years. It was excruciatingly long. The length was a problem. And yeah, then, forty minutes for no reason. Yeah, and then the near falls were just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like. I the, uh, at a certain point yeah. I was just I was not buying that Sonata had a chance of winning this. Abushi beat Jay White last year, so back to back for Abushi. Yep, he's a Hall of Famer. It's we're starting to end the conversation of Abushi. Where does he end up on the Mount Rushmore pretty soon? He's getting to that. Yeah, that's point. three three years in a row in the final because he lost to Tanahashi. Yep, year before so it was Abushi Tanahashi. Final night. Um, 
Yep, lost in thirty-five minute match that night. Yeah, it might be the worst in the past ten years. It, it's the worst. I'm in the trying past to 10 go years. through like that is a heavy statement, but shit, that might be right. Uh, Kenny Omega versus Goto. Uh, that was That's what I'm saying. 2016. Why well, was Goto in that final? Kenny Omega's semi-final match. Like the the block was better than the final that year. Yeah, but uh, even even Goto can deliver some bangs. Kenny Omega had the trophy. Yeah, so it's yep. it's and then this. Tanahashi beating Nakamura. Yep. That was one hell of a match. 2015. Yeah, I mean, but there was a lot of good talented people. Sonata might be. I don't know if Goto's better than Sonata, but he, Sonata might be the worst finalist in the past 10 years. And that's not a I huge mean, knock on him. Just a lot of talented people. Okada Nakamura was in 2014. Mm-hmm. That's fucking stacked. They, dude, they've, they've you, had bangers uh, in them finals. The A Block, B Block finals and the finals are always great. This year was arguably the weakest A Block, B Block final. Like the combination of all three. It just... It wasn't bad. I was entertained and I stayed up and watched it. But I'm just like, as far as like memorable, like I remember, I'll never forget watching Omega versus Naito. And that match was stupid. And I think that was a B block final from two, three years ago. And that was a that was just a block final. And then on the other side, yeah. I think it was two like six star matches that night, I think, according to Meltzer. But for me, there, was, there were two classics. This year, I thought White versus Ishii was really good, but it wasn't a five star match. And Evil versus Sonata sucked. And that's your block final? Oof. I gotta watch this 2012 G1. I remember the final. Okada versus Carl Anderson. Mm-hmm. She Machine Gun's hot. best match, probably. <laughs> Machine Gun. Gun crushed that shit. He's um, hot. Yeah. That A block had Machine Gun, Tanahashi, Shelton Benjamin. Yep. Minoru Suzuki. Takahashi was in that. Marafuji. Was in that A block. Yes, man. B block was crazy. Okada, Lance Archer came in second. Goto, MVP, Naito, Nakamura, and Roosh. Yeah, I'm going to go back and watch it. What year was that? 12? 2012. Yeah, I'm going to go back and watch that. And the final was Okada, Carl Anderson. I remember Machine Gun was super hot that year. Machine Gun was hot. Like, Goto that year, he wrestled. Was, like, Goto. Knock beat Naito in yeah. 2011. Stardust Naito. Um. Goto at the time when people talk about Goto, Goto was like I hate to use this comparison, but he was very Seamus like, right? Like he was very bridesmaid, <laughs> like never the bride. He, but he he could when it comes to toughness, like Goto will give you some bangers. So I, I could see that, but Sonata, like I see the talent, but one the um oh my god the uh, MVP had good runs, yo. 2011, he came in third. Yeah. La Sombra got only four points in 2011. Yeah. Damn. Guys got young. It, it's young La Sombra. Yeah. Um. Wait. Prince Devitt, 2010. Oh, okay. 2010 might be a Tanahashi versus Kojima. That was good. That's a, I'm uh, telling I didn't you. watch that one. That's Ten the years year before you made me start watching. Ten years. Yeah. Ten years. Not good. Like, this is the worst of the last 10 years. Sonata, what's it? The Desco, that, that reverse guillotine looking thing? It just looks bad. Yeah. It looks bad. It just looks. He never really gets it around the head. And, like, it's like, well, how does this hurt? And then he hits you with a moonsault. Like, I need him to get another finisher. But. Yeah. Like, when you're a main event guy, your finisher means a lot. Yes. It has to look convincing, like, and it can get guys out of here. 
Yeah, oh, yeah. He doesn't have that. So now going into G1, where does this leave us? Because Naito still has two belts. Oh, we're, we're clearly going to get like Naito versus Ibushi. And that's just going to deliver. I think that second night, right? Like, I think this is the year where Naito headlines both nights. I see first night heavyweight title, second night. That's possible. I mean, he could, you know, take both titles, but there's there's for a couple. What? Like, I hate the winner getting both titles. Sooner or later, you got to split them up. They you will. Have two nights for a reason. Do I see and heavyweight title different nights? Um, they they'll probably split up. Maybe even before Wrestle Kingdom. There's one thing that's lingering right now, and I, I'm sure they're just waiting for this, is when Moxley can wrestle. Because he still has the U.S. title. And oh, yeah. and Kenta still has the briefcase. And they're just kind of like sitting there like, well, when can he? Because between Moxley getting to wrestle and he'll be at Wrestle Kingdom, I, as long as the, the restrictions are lifted, and Gallows and Anderson returning to New Japan, there's a lot oh, of that's shit that can huge. happen. There's a lot of shit yeah. that can happen once these restrictions are completely lifted. We haven't seen Tamatanga. We, we haven't seen G.O.D. at all. So they are not even at full strength yet. But So I think Wrestle Kingdom still kind of sort of in flux. But I think we're definitely getting Ibushi versus Naito. And I think that match is going to be a banger. And I think it sucks because we waited all this time for Naito to become champion. But I think it's Ibushi's time. He's, he's too good. Yeah. COVID really messed up his run. It did. So it, it's been weird and disjointed and not necessarily his fault. No. We were all hype at Wrestle Kingdom and then it was just, you know, just such a long pause. Then they tried to do the evil thing for a second. Shit got weird. And then they righted the ship. But I, f- I feel like yeah, you're right. It's a Bushi's time. Yeah. He, it's man. been long enough. This is a decade of legit matches for New Japan. He's it's time to crown. He's a psychopath, man. He's a psychopath. He is the one person that you look like look at and you're like you know, other wrestlers like when you look at guys like The Rock and John Cena and other people and you go, ah, oh, well they got a career outside of wrestling. Not Abushi. This is it. Like he gives everything to this business. He deserves to get that IWGP title. It's gonna it should happen. It should happen. But you never know with Gato. Gato can pull the rug up out on us and make it make us wait another fucking year. Another year. Yeah. <laughs> never know. Never know. All right, let's go. Let's keep the momentum rolling into the WWE main roster. Oh, thanks. All right. <laughs> Got to keep keep on this hot streak. So, this week was probably the worst episode of Raw I've seen. We say that a lot. Since, since I've been back. Yeah, I, I've said it like three times this year. I'm sure of it. Uh, they, they keep they keep like, ah, you thought? Yeah, no. Nah, um, it's the worst I've seen since I probably came back to watching Weekly, which was like 2013. I mean, I'm saying something because the roster's talented. It was the biggest misuse of talent I may have ever seen in any promotion. Where do you want to start? Take it from the top. Oh, God. Uh, (laughs) Top down. So we have the draft. You think we're resetting feuds, right? Oh, no. We are not. No. Why why would that ever be a thing? Why would you reset feuds? Nope. It's the same two title feuds on both brands. One makes sense. One does not. Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton. Hell in a Cell match. Why if Drew just wins every time? (laughs) I don't know. I can't make sense of this. 
You just keep upping the stakes. This time, it's to defend the honor of the old-ass people getting beat up. By the way, they screwed Randy first. Look, man, my biggest issue with this is they use this as a tool to get to a rematch when it was completely unnecessary. And like I said before, it weakened Drew. Drew is a great champ. I don't want to take anything away from him and his star power, his presence, his work. He's great. But whoever's booking this shit needs to cut it out. Because this, I don't care about this match anymore because of all the interference in the last match makes me go, why well, don't I want to see this in a cell? It doesn't even, yeah. like, that's the heat? The heat is to, that he kicked all the legends' ass? Come on, man. This is terrible. It. To keep all the legends out, the cell is needed. How else will we get, you know, Randy Orton to overcome 78-year-old Ric Flair? Oh, God. How else can he not fall victim to the bald-headed HBK? Like, come on, man. I don't, the big show. The big show was a threat. <laughs> this is garbage. It's ridiculous, man. I, I don't know why we have that. It is completely unnecessary. And then other feuds, Jeff Hardy versus Elias. I don't care. I don't care. At least it's different. Sure. Right? Pat on the back for that. Keith Lee. Keith <laughs> Lee. It is not over. It's over. But it may for be. For now. <laughs> it may be. Let's... I was like, okay, they're moving him away from being, uh, I don't even know, a pawn in this main event feud, right? Came in, beat Randy Orton, cool, great. Then they used him as a pawn for a month and a half. Now they move him to a new feud, him and Braun Strowman, which somehow started in Raw Underground, and there's no more Raw Underground. They just said, fuck it. <laughs> they they said, like, fuck it. This like, is dumb. <laughs> six weeks we put into this shit. Fuck it. It's gone. Everyone who only showed up because of that, Raul Mendoza, you're gone too. Uh, except for the big black doorman, which we'll get to in a second. Oh, God. So, we, come in, in, we get into this match, and I'm like, okay, they're actually going to let them wrestle. No more, like, just Haas arm wrestling, none of the stupid shit. Let's have Keith Lee have his big show moment. Nope. Braun Strowman punches him in the nuts. Headbutts him in the nuts. Excuse me, headbutts him in the nuts. Yes. Steals the win. What? Total match is like four minutes. Oh, Why? It doesn't, the loss doesn't hurt. The gimmick behind the loss, like, did we learn nothing from Nakamura and AJ Styles? No. Oh, Vince is the only person that still likes ball punches in 2020. That shit tickles him to his core. Dude. I don't get it. It's bad, man. This is what I said, man. Like, when once Keith Lee beat Randy Orton, I thought this was good. But then when I realized, like, oh, he's just really a pawn for a feud, there was really nowhere to go. And I said this last week with, like, somebody like Lars Sullivan. When you come in and you beat a guy, like, you squash somebody, which is essentially what Keith did, who is main event material, which was Randy Orton, or you look at Lars Sullivan, you just kind of truck upper mid-carters, you're going to eventually lose to those same guys that you just beat. The biggest issue that Keith Lee has now is like, where do you go? Where they should have started at Keith Lee was him just murdering fucking jobbers. I don't understand why the WWE can't do this, but you need jobbers. You need guys, like AEW has jobbers. I think they do a good job of it too. They have guys that you look at like they're never going to win, but they always show up. And even on NXT, they're the occasional jobbers. 
that you see show yeah. up and you're like, there's no way they're going to win. So, like, they did it well with Braun Strowman. And then it, for some reason, elevated James Ellsworth. But when you don't do it with somebody like Keith Lee, and then he beats Randy Orton, and then he has nothing to do, and there's nowhere to go but down. They keep changing his ring gear every damn week, which is bothering the hell out of me because it means they have no confidence in his look. And Let the man wrestle without a shirt. They won't. They won't. So, so here we are with Braun Strowman, who's wearing like, like work boots and a, a muscle shirt. He looks ridiculous. Like, this is all bad, man. This is not good for Keith Lee. I'm not saying Keith can't come out on the other side of this at some point because Drew McIntyre did. Like, he was kind of buried and shuffled around for a minute, and then they were like, all right, turn the baby face. Let's push him to the moon. And then it worked. It could happen like that for Keith Lee, but right now, it's over. Like, before, people were like, he's winning the Royal Rumble. I don't see that happening at all. But this was was the right move. If there is a right move, this was it. You put him... Against the de facto big show, they did the same for Roman Reigns. You you throw him through something, you break the ring with a spare bomb, you do something that makes it like, wow, what an amazing moment. You beat him up, and then you keep going along your way. Probably go to Bobby Lashley next, because Lashley still has the title, right? Yeah, they, they're not going to the do US that. title. And you go from okay, I beat a monster in Braun Strowman. It's reasonable that I can probably beat Bobby Lashley by the time we get to WrestleMania for the United States Championship, and then you build the guy from there. Then I put on that path. Then I put why is a headbutt nut shot in there, dude? They're not. He's not on that path. I don't see him feuding with the Hurt Business. He was in a main event path for a second. Yeah, like, but he was a a secondary title. A secondary title isn't beyond measure. No, when you beat. Randy Orton. But I don't, I, as of right now, the Hurt Business are getting a bigger push than Keith Lee. And lastly, I don't That's see... a different push. But it's a push. There are multiple segments. This, this is what a push means to me. A push is when you are on multiple segments of a show. That's a push. When you're doing more than one segment and out, like Keith Lee does the segment, he's done. You see the Hurt Business, they're not only feuding and beating up like Ricochet and Apollo Crews, but then they're feuding with Retribution. And they're doing two yeah. and three segment matches. They're getting pushed. Lastly's not yeah. dropping that title anytime soon. Not yet. No, no. That's why I said WrestleMania. No, yeah. Yeah, but don't take it off of Lashley by any means. The Hurt Business is gold right now. Right. Put they put them on every hour, and I'm not tired of them. In fact, that's probably the only good thing Raw has going for it at the moment. Right. And they might fuck that up with Retribution. Well, let's talk about the, <laughs> let's talk about Retribution, like and the immediate they burial <laughs> of Retribution. Like, could they 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 drafted Ret- they signed okay sequence of events. Retribution shows yeah. up, there's a bunch of shaky camera shit. We wonder who they are. We spend weeks and week, like several weeks not knowing who they are. We finally figure out these yeah. guys are dickheads named Slapjack, T-Bar, some other nonsense, right? Yeah. Then they get into yeah. this feud with the Hurt Business, which we're like, cool, cool, this could be a, a thing. And then they feud for like a couple weeks. Then we find out Mustafa Ali's the leader, and we're like, mm, okay, whatever. I guess you're trying to make things work. And then a week, no, two weeks after that, because Ali didn't explain his actions last week. Two weeks after that, on your season premiere, Retribution shows up to face the Fiend, and the Fiend murders them. Every what? single one of them. Well, to be fair, they faked like they were going to team at first. The Fiend bounces. Come on, I don't think they take an ass whooping from the Hurt Business. 
there's no fair here. They were going to jump the Fiend. They were not trying to join forces with the Fiend. But ultimately... Okay, they circled the Fiend a little bit. Yeah. I, I do like the Fiend and Alexa Bliss right now, though. I mean, that's cool. Clever little, like, clever little change for the Fiend. I, I like it. It keeps it fresh. It's cool. I, you know, it's whatever. I'm not mad at that. But I'm saying the point is, is, like, retribution, like, you, you've killed any momentum that they had. They took two L's in one no. night. <laughs> back to back. Um, but I feel like their reasoning behind it is as long as Ali doesn't lose, as long as Mustafa Ali doesn't lose, no. everyone else is there to lose. No, that that's not how this works. Kind of like the Dark Order. Nah, see, this is this is worse because, all right, remember Nexus? That's, remember? Strong words, sir. Strong words. It is. Because, look, the Dark Order is like bad, right? But this is like stupid bad. In this, and the Dark Order is stupid yeah. bad too, but this is stupid bad because like Slapjack, T-Bar, like this does nothing for any of them no, at all. It's stupid or bad. Yeah, like it, it's, it's <laughs> stupid is not even a word, but that's how bad it is. It's stupider than the Dark Order because at least Dark Order has numbers. Well, see, even like the Dark Order right now, like John Silver, he's been fun to watch. Like they've, they've done some things and even Brody Lee, but how do you come out of the other side of being Slapjack? How do you like? You can't come out. You know, like, T bar. Like, yeah. There's no other side of this. It's kind of over. And then you you took two L's in the opening segment. You lose the hurt business clean. And then the fiend, one man, beats all of you. Yeah, it's all bad. You ran through everyone. It's bad. Easy money. Made the fiend look like a million bucks. They're not dog. Yeah, no. I thought they were making this a Survivor I, Series. They might not. No, Survivor Series is it, right? Like, it's a rap at Survivor Series. Should be. It's, it's Hacker Mustafa Ali maybe getting his mid-card push, which is great, but everyone else is a rap. Maybe, maybe not. I don't trust this at all. I don't trust anyone. <laughs> I don't trust anyone on that. And then the last thing from Raw, AJ Styles comes out, big African dude. Why does he do I don't know either? why. I don't know. And... You say it's over for Keith Lee. At least you say over for right now. Matthew Riddle, it might be over permanently. Oh, it's, man. And I don't say that much. I Listen, I got hope for Ricochet still. I think it's a wrap for Matt Riddle. This, the the handling of Matt Riddle. But I told you this was going to happen. I was like, man, they're going to lean so heavy into this. You said he's can't miss. Yeah, originally (laughs) he was can't miss. And I said, if anybody can mess it up, it's the main roster. And what have they gone and done? I told you. They lean heavy. He kind of. Dude. He didn't work in NXT really either, though. But which is weird. But he had an opportunity. He never hit his stride in NXT. They he pulled him too soon. They pulled him too soon. But what happened was, like, he was fine in NXT because he was still having good matches. In yeah. on, on Raw and SmackDown, they turned him into, like, this, this bro. Like, that's it. That's become him. And now it's corny. It's the same thing they did to RVD. Like, once you lean so heavy into that bro shit... And then you have him but cut promos. RVD was having good matches. <laughs> he, he was, which is true. But Riddle... Riddle's um, not having either. He's just on a crowded roster right now. And they're trying to find something to make him stand out. And they think that bro thing and him being barefoot is going to make it stick out. But it's not. That's not what made Riddle great in the indie scene. It's not what made us like him when we showed up on NXT. It's not. You're right. It could He's going to be well corporate be. Riddle in three months. That's they're going to put him in a suit and tie, have him wear shoes, and badmouth his bro character. He's going to be anti-bro. Like, I'll, like, real quick, and then we can move on. I was sitting, I, I interviewed Rich Swan this week, and we just posted on Sport News before Bound for Glory, because he's wrestling Eric Young for the title. And 
you know, me and Swan just talked about, you know, characters and and I brought up the Inner City Machine Guns. If those who don't know, Inner City Machine Guns was a tag team with him and Ricochet um, on PWG. And when he was like, man, it was the most fun I've ever had in my life. And he was like, me and Ricochet, we didn't have to, we didn't dance because people told us to. We didn't, like, we just were able to be ourselves. And we got over. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go watch the the highlights of all their stuff in PWG. And I, th- I think I remember I showed you their stuff when I first showed you Ricochet. Well, I think it was him tag team with Rich Swan. Yep. And I started watching it. And there's the match with Ricochet, Swan, Kalisto is in that match. And it's absolutely nuts. And I'm watching it. And I'm going, wow. The WWE really knows how to fuck some things up. And there's going to be people that are going to defend the WWE. It's like, everybody can't be on top, blah, blah, blah. But I'm looking at these matches. Swan was exceptional. He just He never was going to be a top guy. But Ricochet was unbelievable. Ricochet has, like, he's not having bad matches. But he's not doing anything that he was doing in New Japan and PWG and, and on Dragon's Gate. He's not doing any of that shit. Apollo Crews, not doing any of that shit. They're restricted to, like, these cookie-cutter moves. And, like, yep. Ricochet, when he used to jump out of the ring over the turnbuckle and into, like, damn near the crowd. That Which we, he did in NXT. Right. But he's not doing that here. He's just wrestling. He's just doing yeah. sports entertainment. They're dropping the ball on these guys. Riddle was a freak in Evolve. Here, he's not the freak anymore. He's the barefoot guy that says bro. And all his moves have bro on them. It's not fun. So you're right. It might be bro a Bro Derek. I, I like the bro Derek. I mean, dude, it's cute, but come on, man. Like, nobody's going to take any of this shit seriously. That's true. I mean, it's... For a character-driven product and company for being sports entertainment and not pro wrestling they're really shitty at being sports entertainment right now yeah they are it's bad yeah like if that's what you're hanging your hat on teach people how to have good characters put good characters on the screen and at least then we'll be like okay the matches are shitty you can't give us what you're known for what you hang your hat on and be horrible at it they have maybe four good characters in the entire company maybe main roster wise maybe and roman reigns just became one right but like two months ago and that that's the problem like like they create these wrestlers as characters instead of sticking to what got them over in the first place especially on the indies which was wrestling all these keith lee wrestler just a big freakish athlete, but he could wrestle. Riddle, wrestler. Gulak, wrestler. Like you go down the list. Ricochet, ridiculous athleticism, but he was a wrestler. But then they want to saddle them with characters and it doesn't work. The best version of Kurt Angle, even though Kurt Angle was amazing at everything that he did, one of the rare cases if you look at a guy which is good at everything. But when Kurt Angle showed up on TNA and became Perk Angle. But he was, they focused on his wrestling and threw all the goofy shit away. Yo, he was having the matches of his life because they focused on the one thing that he did better than anybody else on the planet at that time. Wrestled. These guys aren't yep. wrestling anymore. The best wrestlers aren't wrestling. AJ Styles is a wrestler. Why does he have a heater? He doesn't need a heater. Kevin Owens is a great wrestler who can be a great character. But he's not wrestling anymore. He's doing dumb shit. It's frustrating. Though you are completely right. No one is wrestling right now. And that's the problem. 
you have all of these guys who are amazing wrestlers searching for a gimmick, a storyline, a character, and failing while doing so. But in the meantime, you're not allowing anyone to wrestle to keep people at least entertained while they build these characters. You can build and fail at a character if you can deliver in the ring. I, next week, I think I'm going to time out how much actual wrestling they have on Raw. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. I would, I would venture to say it's 30 minutes out of a three-hour show. And that might be high. But even so, they have like two segment matches. Like, you know who was one of the best wrestlers in the business? And they just refused to push him to the moon? Cesaro. I don't get it. He's so fucking good at everything. But yet they continuously, every, go through the history of Cesaro. When he first showed up in the scene, I think he had Aksana as his manager, if I remember correctly. Um, They've always tried to give him a character. They've always tried to give him something that was like character driven. But then they forget, that motherfucker just wrestle. If you just let him wrestle, that's it. This isn't working. Why won't they just try to wrestle? Mm. Sports entertainment's not doing anything positive for you right now. Just try something different. It can't fail any worse. And that's where they are. It can't be any worse than what it is right now. Um... Man, let's go through and preview Hell in a Cell, which has All right. what I can find four matches guaranteed so far. And everything else, I mean, maybe we get a match between, like, you know, T-Bar and uh, Slapdick, or whatever his name is, Slapjack. <laughs> and, uh, and, like, Bobby Lashley and MVP, right? Like, cool. Maybe we get that match. Like, a regular tag match between two members and two members, they get squashed. Who knows? They got to fill like two and a half hours. But right now it's listed Jeff Hardy versus Elias. Elias has to win because I'm assuming this is a continuing feud. Yeah. Yeah. So Elias will win by some cheating shit. Obviously, he'll just Jeff Jarrett it up and find a way to hit Hardy with a guitar. Doesn't bother me. See, these things don't bother me. A mid-card feud, you get five minutes to let them wrestle. That, that should be the formula. This doesn't bother me. Uh, Bailey versus Sasha. Oh we didn't even talk about SmackDown. Whatever. <sighs> Bailey versus Sasha. Wait, we do. We, we do have to say one thing about SmackDown. The end segment with Roman and Jay was really fucking good. Everything with them is good. Like that, Jay beat the hell out of him with that yo, chair, though. But that was really, 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 really good. I don't remember anything else that happened on SmackDown. What else happened? Oh, the New Day came out and uh, yeah, they, had that emotional-ass moment. Yeah, they had... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was... You know, I hate watching... Like That was phenomenal. I'm watching it, and I'm going, oh, man, they're about to get me. This is wrestling. But, this, <laughs> but, but that's what happens when you have three guys who are, like, legitimately friends and have done this for so long, and you split them up, and you don't... Sp- the good thing I will say out of this is they never turned on each other. They split them up without having them turn on each other. And gave them that moment to, to go to go their separate ways, but still be like the new day. I can get with that. I'm okay with that. Even though I still don't like them breaking like splitting them up. But the fact that they never turned on each other and then that having that moment in the ring was great. Was there anything else on SmackDown? The Bailey Sasha Banks segment, I've I just hate everything about this. I don't know who's fumbling it more. We'll we'll talk about it in a second. I don't know if it's Sasha and Bailey or FTR and the Bucks. 
these are both being fucking handled horribly. Hmm. I mean, Bailey and Sasha, it could still work. They're doing it early. I don't know how you drag this out, but it could still work. I don't. I don't think so, man. I don't think so. Like, th- I think this is bad. But I think we'll talk about the Bucks. I think th- they. I don't know what they did. Sometimes AEW tries to outsmart itself and it just does too much, <laughs> and that's what they're doing here with the FTR feud. That's not it. But oh, and then we had Seth Rollins versus Daniel Bryan. Oh yeah, I don't know exactly what this means for anybody, but I'm into it. Yeah, I mean, the go-home show is going on tonight. It looks like Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens might be forming a tag team. Mm. So, as we record this, this is the angle they are playing up. I don't mind that. Because if it leads to them breaking up, I'm with it. Because you give me a KO Daniel Bryan feud every day of the week. KO going heel is much needed. Well, yeah. We need him to go heel. We need him to wrestle. But anyway... Um, but you, you brought, <laughs> those two will wrestle. Yes, Sasha and Bailey are hell in the cell. I, Sasha can't win. She can't. She just no. Can't. Bailey has to beat the hell out of her and really injure her <laughs> for another three months. Um, but it's gonna be one hell of a match. I, I, you know what bothers me? I, Why is the cell red? Uh, some goofy WWE shit. What? For, I understood that one pay per view because the fiend was in the cell, right? Which is still fucking stupid. And him and Rollins, Hell in a Cell, set back the company for like a year and a half. <laughs> but but with that being said, still, this year it's red. It makes no fucking sense. Like, it hurts the eyes. You take away from the actual product in the ring. Yeah. Get rid of the stupid-ass goofy cell. Make it black. Do something. At least that's ominous. Just give me the old blue... <laughs> the old school blue cage blue? And, put, and put a top on it. Just put a plexiglass <laughs> I, I had top that. on it. Oh, that was my first wrestling toys ever, by the way. Hulk Hogan, King Kong Bundy mm. came with the wrestling ring with the plug-in joints on the side of the ring with a blue steel cage. Yep, I remember that. Yeah, that's good shit. Yep, that was my first wrestling toy ever. Fuck Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Next match. <laughs> uh, Drew Mack, Randy Orton, we talked about already. Roman Reigns versus Jay Uso, an I Quit match in Hell in a Cell. Hey, uh, it's like a hat on a hat. There's just it n- might be too much. Dog, there's just no way Jay Uso is gonna win this match. It's none. No, nor should he. No, he's he's going to have to say I quit. Or maybe maybe the other Uso comes out and saves him again by saying I quit. Right? Like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you play that. He's losing. Yes, was, exactly. He, exactly. he had his moment already. He's losing. And I would love for some way this could work out where it becomes like I don't want to say like subservient, but like he just gives in and says, like, yes, Roman. You are the leader, and then you have both Usos rolling with him. Yeah, now with this Samoan SWAT team 2020. Um, yeah, maybe begrudgingly in the beginning, but then they come around. I, like, I'm all for that. This is the only thing that I've, like, really truly enjoyed. Like, they've handled this really well. So I don't think this match is going to yeah. be bad. I just I, I want to see how we get to the finish. So I'm curious. Yeah, and it's good because Survivor Series after this, you can actually blow off the feud, and Survivor Series, I mean... I don't know what they do for Survivor Series. No, we'll talk about NXT here after the break. But shit, injuries are crazy there. So I, 
We shall see, but Roman Reigns is in a strong position to go into Survivor Series as the man on the on the blue brand. So I think that's great. I love the feud. That should be the highlight of this weekend's pay-per-view. We'll see what other random dumbass matches they stick in there. Hopefully Big E can wrestle. Because, you know, <laughs> I like seeing that guy wrestle. I mean, the man beat the shit out of Sheamus, and it's just like, I, maybe they're just waiting for the opportunity with Big E because they're clearly not cooling off on him. They separated him for a reason. It's just you never know with Vince. Three weeks can pass, and just like Raw Underground, he was like, yeah, I'm done with this shit. So we'll see. Yeah. But it's a talented roster over there. Yeah. So I think I think he will be fine in finding his next opponent. He should do okay. I have faith in Big E. I just would like to see him wrestle on this card, all things considered. There's like five open spots left. Put the man on the pay-per-view. Um, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll touch on NXT and then AEW to wrap up the show. lot to talk about there as well. You guys stay right where you are. We'll be right back. We'll get right back to the show in a second, but first, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, everybody, the home stretch of the show. We are back, and we are talking NXT to start this segment. Dre, I thought it was a good NXT show. <laughs> all the way to the end. <laughs> uh, so we're going to start at the good parts. We're going to start yes. at the good parts and roll through it. Timothy Thatcher, with these lessons, I really like. Yeah. This is kind of his wheelhouse. I, I don't know how you spin this into something more, per se, but I, I like him living in this in this space. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the... He's talking more than I ever would have imagined him to talk when he hit NXT. So him talking and teaching these lessons is kind of something that keeps him busy until they figure out what feud to put him in. So I'm enjoying it. Uh, Zia Lee loses again. I like this. They're going somewhere with this. Though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're going somewhere with this. I like this. I with a, What's his name? Bua? The guy that, that, that they have her with um, who signed. I think he signed with NXT like last year. I can't remember his name. Yeah. Yeah, I know. What but I, they're clearly doing something here. The, the only issue is just a very, very, very small one. Is that they, they're kind of doing the same thing with Austin Theory. They didn't have to. They didn't have to run these storylines at the same exact time. But I'm okay with it because it's clear they're going somewhere with it. But Theory, he retired, so <laughs> he quit. <laughs> but quit NXT. I like that though. I do too. Because you you get to see that asshole Austin Theory. He's like, you know, what? I can't win. I quit. You guys all suck. Yeah. Fuck this company. I'm out. Yeah. Like I I love that. Yeah. I so love so that. yeah, going from Zia Lee straight into that, like I. Loved Austin Theory losing to Bronson Reed, calling it back to the ring, then basically getting squashed, and you saying, you know what, fuck this, I'm out. I don't know where this ends up for him because he's he's a star. That kid's got star written all over him. He's mad young. As long as he keeps his head on straight, I could see him being a major force in NXT. So whatever this retirement thing is could lead to something. I like it. 
I do too. I, I do too. I think this is the proper build. This is what they did before. You know, you, you give people time and space and you let it breathe. And then he'll work his way into like a North American feud and then work his way up the ladder. And he's young enough. You don't got to rush any of that. Just think, he was just on the so main I, I, roster. Like, he was just in WrestleMania. Yeah, <laughs> chilling. Now he's like, thank God I get to do something. Um, he's escaped that. I was almost T-Boz on the main roster <laughs> here in a second. Um, so he, he dodged that bullet. And then Drake Maverick, Killian Dane. I like this pairing. Okay, I didn't like it it's at first. It's the odd couple. Yeah, this was fun. I like it. Yeah, Killian Dane. It shows some character. Yeah. This is cool. Like, these little buddy cop things often work. Yeah, we saw it with Kane and Daniel Bryan. Um, even going back further than that, we've had this for years. You know, big man, small guy, odd couple. I like it every time. Yeah. So I'm not, not mad at they it. They're me. pulling it off very well. Yep. And the tag team division needs some life. Mm. So this is a cool little tag team you can have around. Yeah. Not mad at it. It's not a legit tag team. Uh, 2.0, which I forgot their new name. Everhard? Everhard? That sounds like a porn. It does sound like a porn. I don't think it's something like that. <laughs> I don't know. It could be Everlast, Ever, Ever something. They're fucking hilarious. Yeah. I just call them 2.0 still. But I love that tag team. When they get off of 205 Live into NXT, they are going to be great. Yeah, well, we'll see. And I will learn their name by then. Ever ready. Some shit like that. I'll, I'll figure it Stupid. out as we go along. And then, <laughs> I will not give this up. Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae are getting title shots again, which they're going to lose. But it's part of the fun Halloween Havoc thing, so they get to spin a wheel. So they had a segment about that. I thought it was really good. All right. I, th- I thought the segment was yeah. really good. I thought Gargano keep landing on, like, Buried Alive matches and the way his, <laughs> he interacted with Candice LeRae. Like, I feel like Johnny's finally sliding into this heel role comfortably. So, yeah, I'm with it. Yeah, so that was really good. Um, Legado de Fantasma. That, this, I thought that match was... This was a, I thought that match was good. This was a good... Like, this was a good six-man tag. Like, this was good. Like, look, everything you're talking about is only going to piss me off when we get to the end of this show. <laughs> this was good. The spots were crazy. All six of these guys could wrestle. Yep. And they let them wrestle. Reminder. They wrestled. Every week they're on 205 Live. Nope. I'll never watch it. Sorry. Okay, you're still not going. I'm I'm talking to the people. I have pulled an Austin Theory on you. I quit trying to get you to watch 205 Live. It is over. Um, Ember Moon came back, wrestled. Oh, dude. All right. No, the good thing about this is they're rolling into a few with Dakota Kai, which I think is perfect. I also like that Ember Moon has a little bit of an asshole tendency about her, like the way she was handling that match. Like, when I saw Kai kick her, I was like, yeah, this one works. I'm with this. I like this, too. This is rare. Yeah, but uh, Gonzalez kind of has her own feud going. So, I don't know. But, Not that Dakota Kai loses some bites, but, you know, there's insurmountable odds when you have Gonzalez in her court. Well, like, there won't be Raquel odds. Raquel Gonzalez. She'll be busy. Like, Raquel Gonzalez will be busy with um. With a uh, who the hell is she wrestling? Rhea Ripley. Oh, yes, Rhea Ripley. That's why. Yeah, I mean, she has her own feud, so now it's like Kai by herself. But it's a good like welcome back feud. Kai can go. I think it's gonna you know give Ember Moon a really good program to start back off. And her teasing she was going right into the main event picture was a little much for me. 
Yeah, I think this is good. This is what you slow play this. Like you got some time. I mean, the the women's division needs a little bit of star power, but slow play it. Build Ember Moon and, and say she's coming back to get what's hers, but she needs to work her way there. Yep. So I like that and slow playing of that. Uh, Kushida. Oh, I like. I really don't need to see Velveteen Dream on my television every week. Yeah, but I like how they're getting here. Um, it could just be Kushida. Tommaso Ciampa for me, and I'd be fine. But that's not what we have. So, Kushida is just rolling through people now. I love the mean streak. I don't know exactly where he ends up, but he could be damn near with this momentum. I wouldn't mind him getting a title shot. Yeah. Um, Like, I love the character. Dungaree Kushida is what I'm going to call him, right? Because he wears wears Buddy Lee dungarees. Um, This is. They figured this out with Kushida. Like, smiling, happy Kushida? No. But, the yeah, the caveat is, can't, why the fuck do we keep putting Velveteen Dream on my television? Stop. I guess you got to do something to have Ciampa not lose clean. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But they could find somebody else. Like, Dream is somebody who clearly does not to, need to be in this spot at all. Get him out of here. Oh, yeah. No, nah, I'm, I'm good on that. Um Dexter Loomis is doing something, but I can't remember what it was. He is feuding with Cameron Grimes in like a House of Horrors match. Oh, and he's stalking him. Yeah, that's going to be funny. It though. should be funny. Cameron Grimes is great. He's really good. <laughs> like, I love Grimes in the promos. He's great. Like, NXT hasn't had a great, a lot of great television, but they've had shown some glimmers of hope with certain characters, like a Cameron Grimes, like Damian Priest, yep. like Gargano turning heel. And there, it's all kind of slowly coming together. In the middle of the card. The top of the card is just a yeah. mess. That's the problem. Is that they've had bad fortune at the top. And it leaves you with a sour taste in your mouth. Because if the top isn't good. Then it trickles down. But everything underneath that has been okay. It's been better than okay. It's been good. They've been building good feuds. The characters there are fine. It makes weekly television watchable the problem is is that the top of your card goes on last and if they're always injured you got nothing to put there so you're just throwing shit at a wall hoping it sticks or buying time finn balor's champ and he's drinking through a straw on instagram two days ago it's it's bad luck like he got the kanye jaw wire yay they can't catch a break at the top of the card to save their lives so I, I, they're waiting it out for Finn. It's supposed to be six weeks. But even then, like he's going to come back and wrestle a protected match? I don't know. Because he just got his jaw broken? It's it's a tough way to go, man. Tough way to go. So now they're trying to fill in that you know top of the card with a storyline with Undisputed Era. So Undisputed Era is supposed to get this title shot. They get jumped mysteriously. What, two weeks after Adam Cole mysteriously gets jumped? And now we're like, what the hell's going on? Who's jumping all these people? Instead, you have the main event, which is uh, Danny Burch, only Lorcan versus Brizango, which was a good match. Thought the match was cool. It was fine for a tag match. And then the end happens. Burch and Lorcan win, which I don't get it. This is three straight tag teams that have won the titles where I'm like, eh. All right. Like, for this, keep it on Undisputed Era forever. Because none of these tag teams, like, uh, I get Birch and Lorcan lost all these times. They finally get over the hump. But uh, they don't don't do nothing for one and two. Like, that's just not a gimmick to me. 
not the revival. Like they're not bringing anything back. It, and I like Oni Larkin. I like him better as a singles guy. Daddy Rich just doesn't do any of them. But they win the belts, and then it's like, oh, who's this mystery man who helped us win? And it's funny because they troll the main roster by having a guy in a stupid iron mask and the hoodie. And they're like, no, come on, we don't do that here. Take it off. And like it's like in retribution or whatever. They're like, take that shit off. We don't do this here. And then he takes it off, and it's fucking Pat McAfee. You're telling me Pat McAfee is beat up for the most talented wrestlers in a promotion? Look. By himself? Dude. So I guess, I don't know if this was the plan the entire time with the Ridge Holland thing. Somebody tried to piece this together, but I feel like this is patchwork. Um, they're saying, well, you know, McAfee's got, you know, the money and the know-how that he can hire Ridge Holland and do all this. If this was the plan all along, the plan fucking sucks. Look, <laughs> Pat McAfee exceeded all of our expectations in his match with Adam Cole. But you got to let a good thing go away, right? You don't need to come right back to it. And the way that we got here is confusing to me because we've been playing this Undisputed. Like, Undisputed Air, we, I can't figure this out. Kyle O'Reilly's been playing fucking babyface ever since he came back. Straight up babyface. Strong and Fish have not. They've played more heel, and so has Cole. But now they're getting jumped. And it feel, this feels very Hurt Business-like, where they need to make up their mind with what they're doing with these guys. Because like the, the Hurt Business is feeding with retribution. I guess I, I'm supposed to cheer for the Hurt Business in this feud. But they're acting like complete assholes and beating up ricocheting them and playing heel. But they're really good at what they do. Undisputed Era is really good at what they do. You can't force them into baby faces by having them face heels. Because Pat McAfee's clearly a heel. But Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch as heels? Uh-uh. And you know who really gets the short end of the stick? Breezango. They just lose. <laughs> they just out of here. They're not even they're not even what they're not even part of this anymore. This was no, yeah. They they had the belts for two months, wrestled twice, and did nothing. Th- this is like, this is the worst way to possibly get here. And I know people are gonna go, well, you know, it's Pat McAfee, and he had a great match with Cole. I, I doesn't mean I want to see it again. And in him aligning himself with Birch and Lorkin does nothing for me. And undisputed era as baby faces does nothing for me. None of this does anything for me. I hated the end of NXT. As good, like I'm watching NXT and I was like, "Yo, this is a really good show. This, I'm enjoying the hell out of this." And I was like, "Man, I wonder who the mystery person is." I was like, "Man, can't be carrying a cross. Who the hell is it?" And then I see Pat McAfee and I like threw the remote. I was like, "Get the fuck out! <laughs> Get this shit out!" I, I don't want this, this. Was this was the worst thing that happened all night? And it wrecked a good show completely. Completely. Why? I've, I fear that this is the beginning of war games. And if this and is throw it. someone oh. else with them. Birch, Lorkin, McAfee, and it was supposed to be Big Dude who attacked Cole, but he's a rap. So they're just going to throw someone else in there. As a this, bodyguard for Pat McAfee. And this is, this is going to be like your main event or your co-main event? At war games. Mm. Yep. This ain't it. This ain't it. This is not it. Everything else has been really good, but this ain't it. McAfee was fine for it. I I just don't like when they do that. It's like, 
McAfee wrestling. They're like, oh, he's really good. And I even said, I was like, if he dedicated himself to full time to this, he could be really good. But thrusting him right back into this is not something I want to see again. And again, no. Birch and Lorkin? Nope. <sighs> nope. It doesn't work. Doesn't work for me at all. I, I'd rather see Undisputed Error versus uh, Imperium in the fucking war games if I had to. Right. But anything but this. Give me Walter as a surprise and just start fucking crushing it in war games like that would have made me excited yeah like i i don't know and that's the same mcafee like you said didn't have a bad match and i get it there's a ton of injuries finn balor won't be on tv for six weeks someone has to be the main event dude going you know at least closing shows they could have done this isn't it they could have done anything they could actually there's too many people in that building i wouldn't even (laughs) mind it like If they elevated Damian Priest and Johnny Gargano to like the main event picture with the North American title, like I wouldn't have minded that. But using this tag team thing as like a prop and getting it off of Breeze Angle to bring Pat McAfee back and was like, I'm the attacker. And I'm, mm-mm. this is whack. This was just really whack. Yeah, not feeling it. Now to AEW. I feel like I'm a broken record. Like it's Groundhog's Day because it was the exact same scenario again. Where I really liked the show. Yeah, it had some moments, some down moments and all this. But every show does. But I thought, for the most part, this was great throughout. Until we reached the end. And I'm just like, oh, how do you just lose all that momentum? And I don't want to say wreck the show. But it's damn near close. I don't, I don't get it. I'm going to go from, let's see, the bottom... I'll start from the bottom up this time instead of starting uh, in reverse. So we have, I'm trying to find the first match of the night so I can go in order. Jungle Boy versus Wardlow. Yeah, Wardlow killed him. Championship Eliminator Tournament match. I like Wardlow still. I do too. Stupid outfit aside, I like They got to get him away from MGF. Not now, but soon. They got to they got a diesel Shawn Michaels him for with MJF. Oh. Yeah. I agree. He has something. Yeah. He definitely has something. And there's a there's enough big ass dudes for him to wrestle with where you get some good Haas matchups. Yeah, and then he's athletic too. So, he can go. Oh, very. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's the right move. They they have to diesel Shawn Michaels him at some point. They have to do it. Yeah, so I didn't mind that match at all. Perfect squash. Next match, Sunny Kiss versus Kenny Omega. <laughs> Yo, listen. Perfectly done. Yes. And I love Sunny. Yes. Perfectly done. Yes. <laughs> Perfectly we, like done. I said, we're getting heel Omega, and I'm all for heel douchebag Omega. Oh, the meme, the meme of his face is so perfect. Yeah. This is, That's, this is why he's the best in the world. My only issue with this match is I don't think he hit that V-trigger clean. They cut away so quick. No, he didn't. Yeah, that sucked. Yeah, if he would have yeah. nailed that V-trigger clean, then great, but whatever. This this works in terms of a douchebag heel. I love it. I love just the look on his face. It's just like, why'd I even show up? Yep. This is the best you got? I love the cleaner is back. So I thought that was done perfectly. Last minute replacement because Janela was around people throwing. Yep. Yep. So Sonny Kiss steps in for, you know, for the tag team partner. And it's great. And for Janela's honor and just gets ran just ransacked in the ring. Loved it. And then um, next up, 
Pentagon versus Ray Phoenix. It's a good match. But, I mean, duh. Good match. <laughs> I love them as singles competitors. They, yeah, I know. They're, they're really good. Like, even even though I still want Death Triangle to come back whenever Pac can wrestle again. Um, but watching these two as singles, and you just go, well, shit. <laughs> like, they should be singles wrestlers for the TNT title. God damn it. Oh, yeah. And then... I personally would have liked to see Pentagon win, but whatever. Well, I think they did that because Phoenix we've seen wins. Omega and Pentagon at the original All All In. So Phoenix and Omega, I think they had a Triple A match. It was really good, if I remember correctly. They're, they're, they're going to burn the title. It down. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, Omega, when he first signed to AEW, had the Triple A title. Yeah. And it was him versus Phoenix. Yeah. So I, this, I don't care. I know these guys are going to kill it. So I'm all for it. Yeah, that's going to be one hell of a a match. And then Paige, Colt Cabana. I fucking, this Colt Cabana thing's got to stop. Um, I don't get it. I why, why is Colt Cabana a thing in 2020? I don't know. I don't know. He's not a really good wrestler. Um, he's, no. you know, he's not Toro Yano. Like, at least I find Toro Yano entertaining. Like, and it's funny because AEW, they do comedy well for the most part, but not Colt Cabana. Like, none of this works for me. Get him out of here. Too much offense as well. Yes. It's just his gimmick is being CM Punk's best friend. Yeah, boom, boom. But he's no longer CM Punk's best friend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like it's it's not cool. It's not clever. This is, yo, I need to get my friend a paycheck. Yep. And they put him on TV way too much. The best moment of the night. Let dinner devonair. Oh, I love this. Chris Jericho and MJF. Dude. Listen. <laughs> MJF. And you've been saying it for years. I mean, you interviewed the dude, he cut a promo on you walking around. It's He's been money, money for years. Was that WrestleMania three years ago? You followed uh, him New York. Like, New York, so that was two years ago where I hung out. Two four days ago. I hung out with that fucker. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. And he's he's just different, man. And this is a perfect way of highlighting what he does best and that is talking the gimmick singing obviously i mean the guy went full rosie o'donnell show <laughs> and, and went back to his roots as the opera sing in the voice voice of an angel yeah, right dude there. I, yo there was he outsung chris jericho the band is in fozzy listen there are some people that didn't like this segment right i loved it because i felt like it was something completely different and out of the box. But the way that it was handled with the dancers and them, you know, and they're, they're beefing over their steak being well done. And then we go into this whole entire number. But the whole number is about pro wrestling. Like they're talking about beating up the Bucks and all this shit. But MJF sounds really good. And they had like this whole choreographed dance routine. For me, this was comedy done right. This was comedy done absolutely right. And now we know we're, we're going to inevitably get these two facing off against each other. But the way that we're getting here, like the couple weeks ago, I was like, ah, this is becoming a little bit too much. This right here was perfect. I love this. Every bit of this. I rarely do I like laugh out loud when I'm watching something like <laughs> and wrestling, but I was hollering at this. This was great. It's perfectly done. And I saw people complain like, oh, so now you AEW fans like sports entertainment? And someone else is like, are you sports entertained? Like, WWE is the only place that has ever done an angle like this? Like, oh, you guys really don't know WCW. Yeah. Or you guys really never watched NWA growing up. Or you guys really never watched ECW. Look. 
But like everywhere does this. And New Japan. Dude. You just mentioned Yano. Like people this is pro wrestling. But this is again at its core. What I've said before is like the WWE doesn't do comedy right. Like the Street Profits and uh, Viking Raiders thing was terrible. Like this was legitimately funny, and I feel like it was funny because I think MJF and Jericho handled this from top to bottom. Whether whereas with WWE, it's a room full of writers trying to go, "What's funny to Vince?" Whether where these two was like, "What's funny to our fans?" Yep. Big difference. What's funny to us? Yep. If we can make each other laugh, we're gonna be fine with the fans and everyone else. Like you nail on the head. What's funny to Vince? And it's like, oh. Shots to the nuts. It's funny to Vince. Yeah, so we're going to put it in every two weeks. So, no, this was handled perfectly. Um, love that segment. That's That segment's better than any match they could have had on, like, a weekly show. And it's crazy because like, that segment was so good that it, all, it almost overshadowed how good the Kingston and Moxie promos were. Those two promos were almost. incredible. 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 Um Fuck it, I'm all in. I told you. That's what I text Justin. I, I text Justin in our group chat like, yo, Justin, I'm in. Like, Kingston wins or we riot. He's great. I'm at that point. Like, I, I love the promos. I love, I'm always a, you know, I'm a sucker for when they tie in real life history. Yeah. So, like, when we get, like, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and they bring up, like, real life shit. I, I, I'm a sucker for, like, yo, wait, Mox and Kingston knew each other? Oh, shit. Like, they wrestled in the same places. Before Moxie signed to WWE, Kingston saying he's gonna bring everyone up with him, and like he turned his back, like, oh my god, and how he loved pro wrestling. He's like, I'm pro wrestling. You were in the tape, like, damn, that's a good this, promo. This was good stuff. But I told you about Moxie's response was great. Yeah, and the, the fucking throwback jersey game is fire. Everything, everything about it is fire. Only thing I hate is his in ring gear for matches. <laughs> Outside of that. Yo, let him wrestle in the Tims. Tims, jeans, do-rag. That's all I need. Oh man, but it's it's money. I'm I'm all I'm all here for this feud. I hope it's not a one-off. No. Give me this with some stakes. Even though, I mean, already in high equipment, like you gotta kinda build from there. But it's an high quit match that makes sense. Yeah. I mean everything is good about this. And I want to move to something really quick before we get to the downside of it because I don't know what's left. But uh, I love, not not really love, this is sarcasm. They just slipped, you know, uh, the bunny back with the butcher and the blade like nobody would notice. They were just like, uh, we're just going to stick her back in there. And I know they did it on AEW Dark. <laughs> but like that whole experiment with like the nightmare, like get that shit out of here. Like put the bunny back with the butcher and the blade. That makes a lot more sense. But they just kind of like glazed over. Yeah. It's like, oh, the bunny's back and here's what happened on Dark. It's like, thanks, guys. You should have never did this in the first place. At all. The Nightmare Collective is just horrible. Bad. Top to bottom. Bad, like, bad, bad. All bad. <laughs> um, we had Britt Baker. I gotta, I'm wondering. Like, so you know everyone has these little silhouette pictures when they pop up on TV? Britt Baker looks like a light-skinned black chick in her picture. <laughs> it's, if anyone else, it's fucking crazy. She's like three shades darker than Sasha Banks in this picture. Yeah. Every time they show it, I'm like, yo, they got a black girl? I, I think it's Cody's wife. Every time I see it. Yeah, well. And I'm like, wait, that's Britt Baker? Like, what the fuck is going on here? Tan. Nonetheless. Yeah, Britt Baker is back on here. Um, I like Britt Baker. She's getting better in ring. Yeah. that's. It wasn't the best of matches. No, it is what She's it getting is. getting better. Cool. Yep. And then getting to it, four-way tag team. 
number one contender match. Where do we start? You know, here's okay, where we're we not going to start with the bigger picture. Get let's get micro first. You cannot let a man knock himself out cold <laughs> That's in the ring. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you cannot let this happen. Cold, out cold, and just keep doing moves over his lifeless body. No X. No, they didn't even take the fighting outside of the ring. If you know he's knocked out and you're trying to figure out a way to get him out, as soon as you make the tag, I think it was the butcher, or I don't know the difference, the butcher or the blade, makes the tag after he drags his lifeless corpse to the corner. You make that tag, you immediately throw the bucks out and follow them. So the cameras go to you so they can roll the lifeless man outside, put him on the ground, and figure out what's happening. Nope. They kept doing moves on top of his body. They just were stepping over him. Like this is this is the second time. <laughs> Look, man, second. I love AEW, oh but you, you can't do this. Like we just dealt with the Matt Hardy thing just recently, and we're going back to that feud too, which I think is ridiculous. But um, you can't do this again. Safety needs to be clear, and I I love that AEW on commentary they talk about um. You know, if somebody's been you know close to COVID, they're very honest about why guys aren't on TV. I enjoy that. But you also have to be honest with yourself and saying, we fucked up. A man was, like, lifeless in there and could have been badly hurt. Lifeless. And we just stepped over him and kept wrestling. Nah, it's not a good look. Not again. They got to fix that part of this business. The hardy thing and now this is a little disturbing. Yeah, this one's on the ref. It's on the talent in there. As soon as you drag his lifeless body, it's time to call him yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Eliminate him. Do something. Just get help off camera to get him out of there. Cause it, That's it. Because John Silver was just fine by himself. I really like that little ball fucker. He's funny as hell because he's fast. He's like <laughs> angry all the time. But he's always like super excited. He's the one part of the Dark Order that I watched. And I was like, this guy could actually do something. He's entertaining. But, you know, the other, yeah, they have to fix that. Anyway. I like them as a tag team. Yeah. Alex Reynolds was lifeless. Like that's that's what it. There's yeah. no excuse for that, at all. You're on live television. No excuse for that. And then now, building it out, I'm not sure where they're going with the Bucks versus the Revival. So I thought Private Party did well enough in this match. Like talking about the match itself, Butcher and Blade were okay. We knew where it was going. The Bucks were gonna win. Some spots still are too choreographed. Whatever, whatever. But in the end, where is this going? And why do I got to keep seeing Tully Blanchard? Ah, dude, I don't know. I, this is frustrating. I'm done with this shit. Like, we knew when he showed up, we were like, oh, man, FTR on the Bucks, that's the match. They're going to make that match. And then they're, they're going to wait it out a little while. Cool. But now we're in this weird space where they're both like, like the Bucks are being heels and FTR are heels, but they haven't really had any, like, true beef, right? Like, but then, like, Tully Blanchard comes out and hits him. And it was the funny part about that whole segment is Blanchard comes out. And JR and Shivani are incredulous. They're like, who is this guy? And Excalibur's <laughs> like, it's Tully Blanchard, duh. Like, the way he did it, I thought was really funny. <laughs> but all in all, I'm like, this feud doesn't have the juice that it should have. These guys beefed on Twitter for, like, a year. And the whole FTR thing was because of the bus. The whole fuck the revival. So how yeah. have you not <laughs> built this into a proper feud one, no, two weeks away from your pay-per-view? They're botching this. They're botching this 
maybe I, worse than Sasha and Bailey. This is bad. Yeah, I, if we're being honest, FTR really hasn't delivered like they should have. No, they haven't. Yeah, they're champions, but this is this is a lackluster introduction. They they, I mean, there's no fans either, so I get it. But like, they're not Moxley hot when he came in. No, this this they're not. Ah, it's fallen flat. They've kind of flubbed a couple of matches that we thought were going to be bangers. Um, I think it was like the uh, was it Penta in, in Phoenix? Didn't they have a match with them? Yeah, Lucha Bros. Yeah, yeah, that was should have been amazing, and it wasn't. And things happen. I understand, right? You every match like there's high expectations on FTR getting you know the 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 reins off of them, and they can do their thing, but they haven't really delivered. So they have to deliver in this Bucks match. I just the build to this match just ain't it. It ain't it. And and Styles make fights. You know, Styles make matches. I'm not sure how they're going to work together uh, in a pay-per-view format. I expect it to be great. I know a lot of people expect it to be five stars because you said the build was for so long. I'm not sure how they're going to work together. I don't know. Because the Bucks need those spots. And FTR needs a ton of psychology. And what's missing now from them is, are you heels or are you baby that's, faces? I don't get it. Who's who? Are the Bucks heels or faces? Because... FTR lives off of ring psychology, and they need to tell a story when they're in the ring. And if you don't have a baby face, and if you don't have a heel clear cut for them, I'm not sure what they can do. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't even have any it's more not, words. I don't get it. It's not shaping. Yeah, that I, I'm I'm lost for what they're trying to do, and I fear this may be the main event. Mm. Over, Kingston Moss. Nah, I don't think so. I think this will be the I hope not. this will be the co-main, and I think this will be the match. Like Moxley and Kingston have a lot to live up to for this match. At least we think so. But the build has just been lackluster. Yeah, hopefully the match delivers. But yeah, I, I just don't, I don't feel it right now. And then I think this is the beginning of their feud. Yeah, because of course you go into it. I think sooner or later you have Omega and the Bucks both holding gold, but you you got to get there. Yeah, and I feel like you drag that out, you know, through the winter. So I, I don't know. Maybe it's too early for it. Maybe they pulled the trigger too early. I don't know. Maybe FTR should have feuded with LAX or something. Where is LAX? I don't know. I don't free LAX man. <laughs> Shout out to Justin. Free LAX. That's a that's a whole different problem. But yeah, both shows ended a little weird for our liking. We'll see what they do on this upcoming week. We'll see what this main roster pay-per-view shakes out to be. Next week's pro wrestling show should be a fun one. Sunday, we're coming back at you guys, though, with, or Sunday night, Monday morning, wherever you guys listen, coming back with more boxing and MMA because we have a big weekend this weekend. We have the UFC pay-per-view, so our first show next week will again be boxing and MMA, so you guys look out for that. Thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate it. Another great episode, long episode. It was fun talking all this pro wrestling. Follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Instagram. Follow us at Corner Club for Life. Oh, I almost messed up on that. Corner Club for Life on Instagram. You can follow me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale on all platforms. Shout out to the sponsors. Shout out to Blue Wires. Always. The movement is moving. It is great. Thank them for all their help. Thank you guys for listening. Stay safe. Stay Rona free. Vote if you haven't already. Still a couple weeks for that. 
Make sure you guys go out there and let your voice be heard. Until next week, though, we appreciate you guys. We're out. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.